0: We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. Great out a secret walls, they can expose them all. We're going up the wrong way. We're going to have to stop.
1: So welcome to episode thirty-eight of the Cake Watch Podcast. Um it's me, Chris Kendall, I am EU official. Uh, I I always keep saying that I'm an EU official. Of course, it doesn't matter because I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. Um, And my co-host, Steve, is still off uh, for the reasons that we discussed last week. But I am very happy to be joined by one of our other co-hosts.
0: Tanya Bultmann, that professor still, that hasn't changed. Maybe I also need to add that it's my views and nobody else's views, <laughs> considering I recently also had some issues with that. Did you? But yeah, yeah, I did. You know, it happens to other people too, wow. Chris. It's Guess not so. just your thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow, my, my little, um, uh, my trademark catchphrase Um
0: Well, it, it will remain yours, others. I'm sure. I shall not claim it. I'm still that professor, so...
1: Excellent, well it's really good to see you Tanya um, I'm really excited to uh, talk to you this evening about all sorts of things um, But we should do a very quick bit of follow up um, So last week's episode with Laura Which we dedicated to discussing mental health And just staying sane, staying reasonably balanced in, in all of this craziness um, Did seem to trigger... Um, a positive response um, among a number of listeners and we got some really nice feedback so I really appreciate that and Steve himself um, sort of got back in touch with us both and said look you know really pre- you know it re- re- was really good it, it, he, he thought that it, it did what he had wanted it to do for him so that's great we're really happy about that um, there was a problem with the sound quality I realized when I was listening back to it um, I think I'd put my one of my sliders down too low and so my my sound was a bit off. so. But then, you know, Steve's the, the sound guy. I'm just sort of winging it. <laughs> so fingers crossed this one sounds a bit better. Um, so then the, and the only other thing to say is that, of course, we are in just the craziest week of all crazy weeks. And <laughs> you and I just literally, as we began our Skype call, caught up with where we were on the uh, confidence vote, which, of course, the government won. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was the massive defeat of the meaningful vote um, of, the, of the withdrawal agreement. Um, I mean, this isn't a news podcast, so we're not going to spend an awful lot of time analysing that. And I I am actually just in the middle of listening to the Romaniacs emergency cast with David Allen Green and Ian Dunn and all sorts of people who know so much more about all of this than I do, mm-hmm. uh, giving mm-hmm. their expert analysis. So that's the place to go for that. Um, but you know we'll definitely talk about it in passing but really the main um the main focus i think of our conversation this evening is going to be um talking about where we are in terms of citizens rights um how this is impacting eu citizens in the uk sort of U- uk citizens in the eu of course and i also want to talk a little bit to you um about being german and
0: <laughs> my favourite thing, yeah, yeah. and attitudes
1: towards Germans and in our in our lifetimes and how we've experienced that changing and where we are with it at the moment because um, I've, I've got a few thoughts on that anyway there you go I mean uh, lots to talk about so I'm going to shut up for a second and <laughs>
0: Well, I I have just tweeted that if Brexit is now going ahead, it is delivered or going to be delivered by the Labour Party because that really didn't work today, did it? Which is not the Labour Party's fault. You know, Jeremy Corbyn did put that motion in, but um, now the onus is on them. So that is what I find very interesting because if Corbyn now doesn't come out for a people's vote, um, yeah, well, what's the plan? You know, I was quite struck today in the debate by how, well... Not very passionate, really, he yeah. was talking. I thought this was his spot, yeah, yeah? and he f- he failed yeah I would all, say. all this
1: time building up towards i mean he, what he wanted so what he 's been wanting all this time is a general election, and this was his pitch for it. maybe he doesn 't want it just yet i don 't know
0: <laughs> well, well why, why would you want it, frankly, you know, because actually, who wants to sort out this mess i 'm not sure that he, he really does want that. I mean, that's obviously speculation, but it, it is just such a crazy situation now, I think. You know, what is the solution to this? Yeah. While I have just made reference to a people's vote, there are problems with that yeah. too. You know, whatever exactly. whatever the, 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 the issue, whatever the the answer or possible answer, it's all just, you know... May I be the first one to swear fucked up from <laughs> A to Z, com- completely. And I, you know, I don't really know what what the answer is myself either. They are just options of bad. I think um, I would consider giving the choice back to the people, um, least bad they, in exactly. the sense that,
1: but it's still bad. Uh, you know, it's
0: still bad. It's Still bad. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's exactly. I mean, if
1: if we have a general, well, we have to have a general election eventually. <laughs> One hopes. Yeah, yeah, one would, one would well, assume, well,
0: uh, unless, unless. <laughs> Maybe one should not make any assumptions anymore. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. You know, and,
1: and the assumption has to be that this most incompetent of all governments surely has to lose the next election. But then you look at the opposition and you think, such as it is, and then you know, would you even want to be implementing Brexit? You know, would you want to well, take ex- over?
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is what I found, find perhaps the most difficult, because it's absolutely clear that actually in all parties there are really good MPs, and I do I, I simply do not understand anymore why they still are in those parties. Is there really no point at which you have to say, right, okay, I'm going to leave this party now? There are exceptional yeah. people in UK Labour, there are ex- a few people who are really good still in the Tories, yeah. There's certainly a lot of exceptional people in the SNP and the Lib Dems Absolutely. and obviously Caroline Lucas as well. Um, you know, there is a coalition here of people who want the right thing for the country and what's best for the people of and residents of this country. And, um, you know, I don't want to criticise them. They are trying, but still at the same time, I can't understand anymore why those certainly who are in Labour or in the Tories are still in those parties. If I was an MP for them, I, I wouldn't be, I'm quite sure. I,
1: I think it's one of those things... Which is just uniquely weird about the british um political scene and 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 the fact that we are effectively we live in this duopoly this this tyranny of these two parties that tyra- you know that, that tyrannize even their own uh members and and as you say you know it's not as if we are uniquely you know i i i'm very much not a british exceptionalist as and nor are you, I should imagine. Um and, and <laughs> that works both ways. Not not only is the UK not an exceptionally amazing or great country, nor is it an exceptionally terrible or bad country. I mean we are perfectly capable of producing uh, high quality you know, medium to large country, perfectly capable of producing extremely capable, talented politicians. And they're there. You can see them right there. We hear them. Mm-hmm. You know, this this whole saga has, has brought them to the fore, but not in the sense of giving them power. And it's very hard to mm-hmm. see how they reach power, simply because the system that we have is so broken. And I don't
0: yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely it's broken, and the system itself, even if it wasn't broken, is problematic enough. Yeah. You know, First past the post is a system I've never really understood coming from Germany where that sort of system yeah. doesn't exist like that, and the coalitions to me have always been the norm so i've never had a problem with that and i didn't understand it but i guess my point is also though sometimes i think people kind of just assume that that the system is the barrier but actually if everyone did what was right i still think we would be in a better place even well right for the mm-hmm. people of the country yeah and making them poorer robbing them of rights isn't right full mm-hmm. stop you know, that's where it ends for me. I don't know whether you read this. I've just uh, tweeted this, if I if it sent, so it was kind of stopping and doing all sorts of funny things. But I, I read before we started that Jacob rees had a champagne party last night <laughs> to celebrate the defeat um, and the voting down of the deal. And I find that, you know, beyond despicable, actually, that, you know, you might hold the view that Brexit is the best thing, but do you really have to go out and, you know, celebrate that with champagne when so many people in this country i have a different view and you know they they were kind of spilling out into the street so it was very visible as well mm. and that's you know i don't know it's this moment well, it, i guess it, but uh, it
1: is it is that, that that's a very that's a very brexit thing and and it's it's the tribalism it's the polarization it's the celebration of um tribal affiliation and loyalties and and it, it's the visible stuff it it's British politics has always been far too oppositional and confrontational, but then there's there's that strange um, inability that it's not just an inability to reach out and compromise and and, and connect. It's also a, a pride in not doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very depressing. Yeah,
0: but at at this kind of moment in time, you know, there really is a duty, <coughs> I think, uh, for people who. Don't want Britain to go down the abyss to to connect. Um,
1: well, and I know it's hard. Yeah.
0: You know there are people. Um, I'm sure it's difficult to work with because there are many other things one disagrees with. But I would still always say Brexit trumps them all. Yeah. For because it, well, because it will make all of them worse. So if Brexit goes ahead, you know the other thing, whatever it is, it's going to be a bigger problem.
1: Well, I mean, um, of course, that's not what they think, is it? And 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 for them, it's an article of faith. So. By well,
0: for Bre- for for Brexiters, mm. but I mean, for people who generally don't want Brexit mm. but have lots of other disagreements, yeah. I think for them, yeah. Anyway, yes.
1: So, I mean, where where do you feel? How do you feel about it all this morning? Uh, well, this not this morning. I mean, this evening. How do you feel about it after <laughs> yesterday's events?
0: I think it's very difficult because it's clear to me that the deal deserved to be voted down. I would have mm. voted against it if yeah. I was an MP. No question. So I'm not in any way questioning that decision, but I also know, and not just for EU citizens and, and British citizens in the EU, but also for businesses and other people, but especially for the 5 million citizens so immediately mm. caught up in it, it immediately increased the anxiety because it adds additional yeah. um, uh, uncertainties on top of all the uncertainties that are already there. And if, I ha- um, if I'm if i you know, perfectly honest, and, and I know I speak... For others too because many have written to me about this in exactly this way there was a great sense of upset last night amongst many EU citizens in the UK because while they would also I suspect most of them anyway agree with what I've just said that the deal deserved to be voted down and it should always have been voted down this celebration this sense of you know this this moment that something had been achieved which so many well bizarrely of course Remainers and Brexiters celebrated last night wasn't a sense that EU citizens could share mm. because they are they are aware that immediately the impact is very negative. And here it gets really tricky if then people tell us, oh, but it might pave the way for a people's vote. Well, as much as I also support that idea, we won't be included in that in all likelihood. Well, so people, people are basically asking us to take hope from something that pushes us con- considerably closer to the edge yeah. while not giving us the route out through a people's vote. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm definitely not conceding on that yet. I mean, I think that there's um, every... Um, every reason to make that case as hard as we possibly can, because one of the justifications that we have for a people's vote, uh, a, a referendum on the, on, on the final deal, is that the there were too many people disenfranchised in the 2016 referendum. I mean, that, that's... I mean I'm certainly going to be making that case and, and I imagine lots of yeah, people are yeah. I mean, you may be right yeah. that 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 it is it is an ask it is it is likely that that many people will be assuming um that it should take place on exactly the same basis as the 2016 vote but I mean I I, th- I think you know they're wrong and you know we'll we'll ha- I mean that'll be a fight for, for 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 another day should we get should we get so far as to have an uh, have a have a vote on the on but I mean that gets a fight that, that that could be coming up pretty soon.
0: Yeah, no, and I mean absolutely. Of course, you can guess what my position would be on it. I would I would make that case too, and I I agree it can be made. But I'm also a realist, and mm. you know, there is something my political um, head tells me that perhaps that's a fight that, that can't also be fought, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest. But having said that, you know, Best for Britain launched a petition. There are people who uh, are making that case already. The largest group is not. That is a reality um, and, you know, yeah, perhaps a question for another day.
1: Regardless, I think that if we're going to have that vote, I think right from the start we have to be yelling as loud as we possibly can, this cannot be like the 2016 vote. And that then works on, on every level in terms of the detail of the question, in terms of the franchise, in terms of um, the funding, in terms of respect for the law, in terms of the tone of the debate. All, all of these things, on every level, we have to be constantly saying, are we doing this um, the right way? Is this simply being a rehash of the awful thing that happened in 2016? I mean, that's something we just can yeah. never let go of. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, my oh.
0: biggest my biggest concern in that context is, of course, that I think many campaigners, and I know this doesn't uh, ever go down very well, but I think I can sort of prove my point, have in a sense wasted the last two and a half years by not building up resilience for exactly this moment. Mm. And particularly, of course, I mean that with reference to freedom of movement, mm. migration, EU citizens. Um, and I think that's a, that's a tragedy. There's little we can do about that because I can't change the last two and a half years, but that emphasises the point you've just made. We've really now got to push on this. Mm. People need to become more resilient against the hate that was being stirred. It, you know, it, it, if there is a people's vote, I'm pretty confident that Levy, yu and Farage will just take the old tropes back out of their bags. Um, and because the resilience isn't there, I think they will work still for a large number of people. So while many may have changed their minds... You know, there still is a large proportion of people who haven't. And if I needed any proof for that, I mean, I really, really didn't. But Mm. if I needed any, you may have seen yesterday that um, someone on a live sky news uh, tv program called eu citizens or migrants more broadly but really it was a discussion about eu citizens um bloodsuckers <laughs> live on t- live on tv really? and i yes i didn't yes. see that no that's well lo- look down depressing. down my timeline there's a clip so it's incredibly depressing but actually, what I found even more depressing was that the reporter didn't actually challenge that in any way and just sort of said, no, 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 and went on to ask um, another question. Um, whereas the EU citizen who followed was super in his response. Yeah. He said, oh, I'm one of those bloodsuckers. And here is my kind of good, story. Oh, good. Yeah, so yeah. he he was very good, but he got a really hard question straight away, kind of like, oh, but, you know, this this doesn't he have a point, the guy who called EU citizens, uh, bloodsuckers. So that is a kind of way of of, of talking that comes straight out of 2016. And that's exactly what I mean. We haven't built that resilience up. We haven't changed anything. So what's the difference? I mean, I think there is a difference. Some views have shifted. Uh, Generally, if you ask people now, here is sort of, you know, freedom of movement gives you this, this and this. You know, the economy uh, is more important to people or or other things are more important actually than migration or or freedom of movement. That's Theresa May's personal obsession, um, really more than anything. But still, there are these underlying sentiments and I can already see 2016 repeating itself. I'm already concerned.
1: It it is a risk, Um, but uh, I think to me... I think the Theresa May, Theresa May's red lines. I think this to me is the weakest area that we that the, the weak the weak point that we can now attack. I mean, the 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 massive loss, the massive defeat yesterday. Uh, I the, the, the argument to be made now is that the mass, it was a massive defeat for her personally. Mm. It was a massive defeat for her red lines. And the, her reddest of red lines is free movement and immigration. And it seems to me that there is an opportunity. I mean, I'm, it, 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 it's going to take some doing to to change that narrative. But I think that the the, the 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 foundations are there. And I think that's now where we start. We need to start building a campaign saying, you know, what, you want a change, you want things to to shift. You know, um, obviously we're fighting for Remain, and we think that the way to get to Remain is through a referendum through a people's vote. Um, but we don't know how the next few weeks are going to pan out. Um, mm-hmm. If if there is a majority in Parliament against no deal, there isn't a majority in favour of one solution or another. But a lot mm-hmm. of people will be um, e- examining, well, what, what what options are there? And as they explore those options, they'll begin to see, well, actually, we could we could look at some other kind of deal if we change our red lines and she her red lines are now going to come under increasing pressure so her reddest of red lines immigration free movement that to me you know that's 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 such a vulnerable point for her and that's where we need to be going going in like attack dogs now because it it, it mm-hmm. and it, and it, it it deserves it too it's such a it it has been her obsession and it has brought us to this terrible place. And if there's yeah, a way yeah. of, of 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 repairing the country's reputation and, and and the country's spirit, it it has to be through celebrating diversity, be it, you know, celebrating what we always thought of as being um, uh, gener- generous British values. Um, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, of course, uh, the greatest hypocrisy yesterday to hear Theresa May refer very early on in her response to uh, the uncertainty for EU citizens, the uncertainty that she is responsible for. And she mentioned British in Europe as well. But again, actually, only by dragging EU citizens in the negotiations in the first place, did she also uh, create that uncertainty for um, British in Europe. I mean, we might now have some comments about the EU Commission and their role as well. But at the same time, it, It will never change the fact that it was Theresa May who, even in her pitch for becoming Tory leader... Uh, made reference first uh, first time to yes. making us part of the negotiation. And at every single turn, she chose, and this is the key thing really, she chose the turn that would make things work uh, worse. Sorry, even at the point of uh, the no-deal policy paper, they yes. again chose to make things worse for EU citizens by again limiting rights even further and you know to have her stand there and just say that um, yeah that was really not good and uh, you know an, an upside it was seen as such if yes, you look at exactly. on social media yeah. it was absolutely She, she she's as her such. own
1: worst enemy in that regard she constantly opens herself up to attack she 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 does things and says things which are open targets for any you know it's mm-hmm. so easy to attack and and the, the 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 disgrace and the shame of it all is that The official opposition and its leadership aren't doing the the job, but we are, we can, and by we I mean just the public through social media and, and more widely.
0: Mm -hmm. but I mean absolutely more widely as well because I think um, I might have said that uh, last time already but from the campaigning I've done now through my campaign I know actually if you go out and talk to people there are quite different views and that won't be the case everywhere and yes I've also met people who are very happy to tell me to my face that it's right that I should apply to stay and all sorts of things Mm -hmm. but generally speaking you know uh, at the engagement level it can work if Mm -hmm. that's tried but you know it's not tried often enough I think ultimately Um, people
1: have a sense of justice of natural justice i do and i do and i do think that once people are confronted by the reality it's that it's that classic uh it's that it's that classic case of the person who 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 turns around to you and says well of course i didn't mean you you know Um, Mm -hmm. once people are confronted with the reality of how these things are affecting real people and this is where we Mm -hmm. can perhaps talk about your new campaign um because um I saw today uh well we we were exchanging some messages earlier today and, and and you were giving me a sneak preview of of a campaign that's coming up uh another one of your amazing cam- you have, I don't know where you get the energy from honestly but um do you want <laughs> to are you ready either. to tell us a bit about it
0: well it's part of the EU citizens champion campaign so mm-hmm. obviously that's kind of already quite known now yeah. the idea is that people championing uh, EU citizens standing with them and we just wanted to make that a little bit clearer and I have to uh, thank my friend uh, Michael Bourne for Um, part of the idea. She's uh, uh, one of the three million founding members and we were talking about exciting new ideas and kind of very much a a joint initial idea for this and we talked about the slogan hands-off because we'd seen that quite a bit on marches uh, from a lot of people and it was an interesting one and so there's um, really just a way to get our British uh, friends in the UK to more visibly stand up with us and say right you know we want these EU citizens here they are our colleagues neighbors friends and family um, so hands-off leave them alone let them be and leave their lives as uh, they do mm. now which is the promise that we've really had um, for all these years but it's not at all the reality mm. because settled status changes lives fundamentally so there's a new campaign clip and it's very different from the first one um, it's recorded basically by people who uh, signed up to a secret project I was doing initially they didn't really know what it was all about uh, and they and eventually I told them and they recorded some little clips which is why they all look very different mm. and they're put together in this campaign clip um, thanks again to the very generous help of, of time and, and other support from David Schneider and his team um, and I'm very grateful to them for helping me with this mm-hmm. and their magic uh, media vi- wizardry which has made it look very nice
1: yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward. To- when you when are you, when is it going live tomorrow
0: um, well, in theory, yes, but we found a typo in it, if I'm perfectly oh, honest. so okay. <laughs> uh, We've already found two others. It's funny how the eyes work, um, I think, because if you watch it too often, then you don't yeah, see yeah, yeah. things no, anymore. Yeah, I in, get that all in, the time. In, with in the, in the, in the subtitles, yeah. so I have to see how quickly we can fix that, but it'll be very soon, okay. so, uh, tomorrow so
1: tomorrow probably. Yeah. So we're recording on Wednesday the 16th, so tomorrow would be Thursday the 17th of January. Yeah. Okay. OK, well, look, um, where should we go next?
0: Well, I, I certainly would like to talk a little bit more just about one issue of Citizens' Rights, which came out in the Christmas break as well, but was a little bit drowned out by that Home Office clip. You may remember seeing all these smiling yeah. stock photography uh, uh, people in that lovely settled status clip. Well, not so lovely, of course. Mm. Um, bizarrely, it did have a positive impact because uh, it did you know, raise awareness very significantly amongst a larger number of people of what was actually going on and how disgusting it all is. Mm. So that was good. Um, But what it hid a little bit was a revelation that came the day after. And it is a much, much more serious revelation. And I really would like people to know a little bit more about it. Not that we know particularly much um, about it either. But Axel Antoni from the three million put in a freedom of information request in connection to the settled status app privacy policy, which comes up when you kind of apply that route. It's a very, shall we say, generous one, where we essentially would agree to signing our rights away to God knows who and God knows where, because it basically just says, you know, to private organisations in wherever they might be around the world. So, um Axel wrote a very uh, clear uh, freedom of information request asking, you know, who with and, you know, where is it stored, all mm. these kinds of things. Um, none of this would pass even my employer's ethics clearance. Mm. So it's just very shady yeah. and shoddy and all sorts of things. And coincidentally, the day after that Home Office clip, the response came in and the response was quite shocking. First of all, shocking because they flat out refuse to tell us anything about what they will do with the data. Perhaps not such a big surprise um, given, you know, home office behaviour in other cases. But still, I find it shocking because we're talking about millions of people here and they're not going to tell them. What they're going to do with the rights and whether it applies to other application routes in the same way you know what are we doing Mm. i was sort of tweeting at some point when we first saw the privacy policy oh look you know we're generating a ready to print um deportation list here because in theory it could include all sorts of data as part of the application Mm. you take a photograph you know you do all sorts of things so what is happening with what data and, and where is it going but the the most shocking bit in the response is something quite different and again it's not actually to me certainly not a surprise at all it's something i've been saying for a long time but to have it in black and white in the christmas holidays didn't exactly lift anyone's spirits so it tells you basically very clearly that settled status will be used for immigration control mm. so this was never ever about the protection of our rights it oh. was always going to be about controlling who can stay yeah in what already is their own home. Um, And now, of course, we can't predict the extent to which they will make use of that, so I'm not suggesting that I expect lots of deportations tomorrow, but the reality is the whole premise of settled status as a special status to protect citizens from EU countries is a lie, and that's essentially now very clear in black and white.
1: Well, I mean, there's such a lot to unpick here. Um, So... For me, sort of two or three things stand out. One is the discriminatory aspect of it, so um, EU citizens being treated differently to um, UK citizens, and also other uh, citizens. But um, Another aspect is you know, the basic data protection aspect, which um, the UK has always been considerably weaker on than some of the other EU member states. And then there's a, there, I mean, I, I'm not a data protection expert, but um, there are whole, all sorts of issues relating to the work that's been done in the EU in, in EU legislation on on data protection, GDPR, and so on. Of course, there are. There are. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that there are, in any case, um, exceptions for government. Um, data gathering um so rules that apply to private companies don't necessarily apply to um governments so that would have always been the case anyway but then of course there are just the wider um historical questions and parallels and it, I hate I hate doing the godwin thing mm-hmm. but um an argument that i think deserves being wheeled out every time we talk about identity cards, databases, gathering information of a select group of people which identifies them as being separate and different. Um, the, the, the classic one is, well, the, the Netherlands has always been a very well-organised state um, and generally a sort of fairly liberal one and one that is um, closely attached to values and so on. What happens when data that has been gathered for a perfectly innocent and sensible purpose is then made available to people who are not so innocent? So in the case of the uh, Netherlands, uh, data, census data that was collected um, on citizens during the 1930s was of course made available to German invaders, to Nazi invaders in the 1940s and was used as the basis for deportations to concentration camps and identifying, tracking down uh, all sorts of people based on the en- on the data that was in the system and available to them by simply going to the town hall. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one doesn't want to immediately go from, OK, we're going to have to apply for settled status to, oh, my God, they're going to draw up deportation lists and take us all off to camps. I mean, that... The point is that, that you don't know where it's going to lead and where it will end up. And the way to mitigate mm. that is just not to do it at all in the first place. And that's why um, British data protection campaigners like David Davis mm-hmm. have always been so vocal and, and activist against the introduction of, of, of ID cards in the UK, for example. People are very yeah, protective yeah. of uh, data privacy and individual freedoms. And I get that. You know, that, I, I have yeah. a certain sympathy for that. What's not What's not okay is to have one rule for the British and then the natives, if you like, and then another yeah. rule for the EU citizens. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. not okay because that, that, just, well, that raises all sorts of red flags.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, this also reminds me of something else that I have to say. Um, when this first kind of got... Uh, greater attention generally the settled status application scheme rather than anything to do with that privacy uh, policy. Um, there was a large outcry and that was very good to see but as part of that many uh, British citizens then suggested that the scheme should uh, basically be undermined from from by them by applying as well. Yeah. First of all I think that wouldn't even work because there's certain checking mechanisms mm. but quite apart from that I don't think it would be helpful at all. It would do the exact opposite. Now, that got me some lovely comments like, oh, you're just like a Nazi sympathiser or something like that. Basically, I was encouraging people to get themselves into the system. Well, let me tell you what the problem is. This is the agreed route, the only agreed route for EU citizens, unless they become British, um, to stay legal in the UK. It's agreed with the EU in the withdrawal Mm. agreement and also in its basic form anyway, for no deal. So undermining that is, is problematic for that reason. There is no other route. Mm. And to just sort of assume um, that people wouldn't be deported or that it would bring the system down, I think is really, really dangerous. Um, and I really would encourage people not to do that. Mm. It won't help anyone, is my view, very strongly, because none of this, none, none of you know, no EU uh, kind of attempt to bring it down, not, nothing has worked so far, and it is the agreed route. I find this argument, I accept that, slightly weird, um, mm. considering, you know, I abhor the idea of settled status, but I think we have to have a route out first yeah. before we can actually sort of say, because otherwise people might, however inadvertently help make others illegal is that really what they want to be responsible for
1: i think i think it's important to remember that you and i and then more widely the three million and the vague coalition of of, of remainers and remain activists we, we we share Um, a great deal in terms of where it is that we want to be going but ultimately we are looking at slightly different things so um, I'm first and foremost uh, an EU activist who believes in um, a European tier of government and believes that the UK should be part of that and that's 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 what lights fire under me Um, I also happen to be someone who has EU nationality but I mean I've got British nationality too and I have um, loved ones who have EU nationality and are in the UK. So, I mean, I am, in that respect, I um, overlap um, very much with where you're coming from. But where you're coming from, uh, although I think we share um, a great deal of, sort of common ground when it comes to politics and, and views on y- Europe and so on, ultimately, um, you're driven by um, a desire to see EU citizens in the UK. Treated fairly, and that mm-hmm. means ideally being treated exactly as you, we have been to date. But if that's not going to happen, then at the very least to have certain rights guaranteed and to have be able to continue mm-hmm. your lives as as they are. Mm-hmm. So a lot of I think sometimes that tension comes out, and you get some you know people on the remain side, for example, who will say, well, hang on a second, um, why aren't you uh, being more vocal about? the problems with the withdrawal agreement, or about such and such, or some, something else. Uh, uh, failing to understand that, f- for you, for, 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 for campaigners, for citizens' rights, the and, and this exactly the same is true for, for example, British in Europe, who also came under a certain amount of criticism for not, for example, uh, being opposed to the withdrawal agreement um, right from the very start. The priority for citizens rights campaigners is citizens rights right yeah 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 so i i'm i'm, I'm yeah. stating the obvious no, but well, i think sometimes mean, people yeah. forget that
0: yeah, no. And I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like a total asshole. You know, I recognize that in those attempts was a, a, a huge motivation and solidarity and yeah. showing a commitment to us. So, you know, I absolutely recognize that. But also, you know, there is a bit of a problem with people not actually affected yeah. by having to apply to stay to telling those who are. Yeah. What they should be doing. So also there are lots of complications around something that was borderline legal advice. You can't give legal advice unless you're actually accredited to do so or have have the kind of permission from the governing body to yeah. do so. So there were lots of people on very dodgy territory and I think they'd be better kind of place to invest that time by just having a quick chat with some of the campaigners who do this all the time yeah. and just to sort of see what might be might be best and that doesn't mean one doesn't recognize the solidarity or the problems you know I'm, I'm as i say very strongly opposed to settled status but you're right you know i just want to make sure as i tend to always say that no eu citizen is left behind and at the yeah. moment there is no route. and here's of course the twisted thing even if there is a people's vote even if you know We remain. There might still actually be some sort of system, because it's not the case that you couldn't have a system even within the EU. Some countries use that. So there might still be all sorts of questions around how people get into that kind of, which would then, I I think, be a a registration system rather than an application system. Mm -hmm. But still, there could be all sorts of questions, even in that best case scenario. Um, And, yeah, those are some of the complications, perhaps, as you say, in these different perspectives. And I think you're right, and I recognise that too. um, But sometimes I think it's sort of quite upsetting for a lot of EU citizens. As I say, um, sometimes I think there is a difference between just sort of having... Essentially, I think for EU citizens, Brexit has been happening for 935 days nonstop. Whereas Mm. for a lot of other people, Mm -hmm. it's really only now that it's becoming really real, not that they haven't seen it before, of course they have, they are campaigners, they're involved, or people who are at least interested in it, but it's not the same level of pressure, whereas for EU citizens from day one has been the question, well, can we stay, what's the story, you know, yeah. and, and for British citizens of course as well, and they are worse off actually, especially in the context of no deal because they have to yeah. deal with 27 other countries and, well, EEA and, 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 yeah. and so on as well, so there might be all sorts of different scenarios. For them, the pressure, I think, is, is actually even worse.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I was... Let's talk a bit about Germany. I mean, I was... Cu- a couple of thoughts. One's, one is that I've been in the German embassy twice over the last couple of weeks uh, for um, administrative things. Um, the, Ger- the German... The German state... Yeah, can well. <laughs> is is not always the most super efficient, and uh, people would be amazed to learn. And for example,
0: uh, I, I'm not amazed. I always, right I, I, I've never. Not Germans. I, Germans, I never, Germans know this, ne- but others. Ne- who ne- never understood it. It's not efficient at all. It's all nonsense.
1: <laughs> so, for example, whereas most in most countries, when you want to apply for a passport or various paperwork, you can do it all online these days not if you're German (laughs) (laughs) no so I had to go to so I had to go to the embassy um, to renew my my daughter's passports um, and I also have to apply for my son my baby son's passport first passport but in order to apply for my son's passport I first have to do a name declaration I have to do a name declaration because he has um, uh, a double barreled name which is a a blend of mine and his mum's which of course is not Normal under German law, so German law allows you to have a different name as long as it is the law in the state in which the child was born, but you have to make the declaration and then it becomes oh, it's very complicated and very boring, but in short, you have to turn up at the embassy with a sheaf of paperwork and you have to queue for an hour. And you have to go in and then you have to sort of give the bunch of paper to a poor guy who sits behind a desk and does it. he looks through it all, does a few stamps, and gives you a chip you go and pay another shelter and then um, boom, uh, baby's got that name, or at least he does six weeks later when the piece of paper comes back from Berlin and then I can do it all over again to apply for his passport anyway um why am i why am I going down this digression it's because it was a really interesting both times it was a very interesting. Atmosphere in this waiting room, inside the German embassy in Belgravia. So lots of uh, middle class. I would, well, I don't know who might judge, but lots of middle class looking and sounding British people um, queuing patiently and then going up to the counters and, and sounding really quite anxious and, and stressed about uh, declaring. Um, some connection to Germany and seeking German nationality and trying to get passports for themselves and for their children and lots of very bored kids and of course you can't take your PlayStation or your, your Game Boy or your Nintendo Switch in, in with you because no electronic devices and it was a very strange and it just felt a bit like I don't know Ellis Island or something it felt like mm-hmm. a kind of um, it, it was an odd it was an odd feeling I'm probably projecting um, <laughs> but it was an odd um, it was an odd feeling and it, it I've been thinking a lot about um, the relationship between Germany and the UK, um, because you're beginning to hear um, increasingly the kind of knee-jerk anti-German uh, mm. sentiments that were quite common when I was growing up in in, in England as a, as a, as a in, in the seventies. Um, but I thought they'd gone away, and and and, but they seem to have been. Kept alive by um, a certain group of people who 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 uh, fit in the same part of the venn diagram as the people who voted for brexit or who pushed brexit mm-hmm. and you hear mm-hmm. these there was there was the the classic there was the famous conference the checkers conference in the in the late eighties um, where mrs Thatcher had a had a seminar with a bunch of right wing thinkers on trying to define the German character, and this was in the context of German reunification. And that was something that um, rather radicalised me as a, as a pro-European at the time, just because mm-hmm. I felt so offended by it. And Now you're hearing these things uh, more and more again. So you had, for example, um, the article written by Greg Hans in Conservative Home mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. You must have seen that.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I saw that. I mean, of course, in many ways, it's not such a big surprise um, to read those kinds of things. The interesting thing about that article was the focus on particular people, really, and connections. And he was trying to kind of make all sorts of things or read all sorts of things into that, you know, these nasty Germans trying to screw us over basically. But you'd find that kind of connection, I'm sure, between a, a well, whole yes. range of British politicians. You know, this was uh, two people in the EU um, and and how they work and what they kind of apparently plotted. Um, but this is how networks work, where, where, wherever they are, who, between whoever... Um, but really, the, the, this was a particularly weak argument because there's literally nothing in it. Yes, they're in the same sort of groups and same, but this is everywhere. This is the same story everywhere, so it's quite interesting. Um, but really, you know, from day one of the referendum campaign. There was a lot of this. And so, again, I said before, I see us kind of going back to 2016. And this is another example of that. We've had that throughout. It's always been there. But I think it's increased in the last few uh, weeks. I've certainly seen significantly more of it. And again, quite common. I remember during the referendum campaign, Ian Duncan Smith one day really kind of lambasted the German government as having kind of prevented David Cameron from coming back with a better offer or something like that prior to the referendum um, and it took literally like five minutes and I had various uh, uh, tweets uh, tweeted at me with tanks and Hitler and yeah. spitfires or whatever else so um, you know I, I have known this for a long time I certainly am consistently and constantly uh, singled out as, yes. as German very often. I think ver- you, know, you as, a,
1: as a woman and as a German yeah, I, yeah, I, I would yeah. be interested to see how many uh, how much criticism you receive that is not ad hominem or ad feminem <laughs> based on your yeah. gender and your, and your nationality or your, your origin because I, yeah. Um, now, this this particularly upset and offended me because um, not only am I, of course, German myself, but, you know, Greg Hans is supposed to be um, not an unreasonable um, politician um, and he's somebody who has the reputation, of course, of being um, actually, quite um, quite Germanophile. Um, who mm-hmm. I think he, he he lived there for a while. I think he's married. He, he's married to a German. And there certainly was the pushback I got when I when I when I challenged when I challenged him when I criticised him. I, the pushback I got was well, hang on, you can't. You know, he 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 loves Germany, so he can't possibly be making an anti-German point. And yet, very clearly, was. And and yeah. what what made me even more upset is as you say, um, he, he he specifically criticised two two people. Both colleagues of mine, they both work um, for the European Commission. Um, one of them is our Secretary-General, who, uh, you know, uh, I don't know him personally. Um, he's obviously a very senior figure and, and is a controversial figure. Now, I'm obviously not going to make any comment about him, um, given, <laughs> given all the various <laughs> disclaimers I make at the top of each podcast. But um, it, it was a, it was an ad, ad, an ad hominem... It wasn't an attack as such. It wasn't exa- exactly as if he and the other person that I'm about to mention were being criticised. It was almost as if it was just simply being taken as, well, of course they're part of a big German plot, and why wouldn't they? I mean, you know, kudos to them. When I know for a fact, because the second person, Sabina Viand, now Sabina Viand is Michel Barnier's deputy. And I, I for obvious reasons, don't uh, talk much about um, my personal contacts, but Sabine is somebody I've known very well for many years. She and I joined the European Commission together, we shared an office together and we were very good friends. And We remain friends, we haven't seen much of each other in the last couple of years because she's been kind of busy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I know her pretty well and I know for a fact that um, she is a great Anglophile. and if you wanted to make all sorts of spurious connections between her, as Michelle Barnier's deputy, and other politicians in some kind of conspiratorial way, well, that would be, you know, she went, she went, she went to Cambridge. Um, she, she, she has certain political and religious affiliations, not my business to talk about. But you know, you would be very easy to make all sorts of spurious connections. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, if you look at the British political establishment. Um, how easy would it be to come up with some... to build some story on the basis of connections between people's school and between where people were born and between people's party and political affiliation and so on? Mm. I mean, it's ridiculous. Saarbrücken and Karlsruhe, you know, are are still nevertheless sort of 250 kilometres away from each other. These are two people who have, you know, who are six years apart. They didn't go to the same school. They happen to, to... share some kind of political affiliation it's Germany's largest political party I mean is that particularly surprising so I just got Mm. very offended by this I thought this was really yeah
0: yeah no it was I I thought it was simply a very uh it's like a literally a non-article there's actually nothing in it uh really and you know I I would have some concerns or certainly over uh you know Connections sometimes between people. Generally, you know, you for example, if we wanted to use uh, an example, the the people who went to Jacob Rees-Mogg's champagne yeah, party, exactly. you know, is certainly an interesting network there because uh, you know Kate Hoy was there as well. You know, she's a Labour MP. So what the heck is going on there? So you could spin these kinds of stories all the time. Um, what struck me was the constant repetition about that German. Exactly, you know, it was the, all the, about the, the, it. The you background. know, and then it
1: just it's just yeah. feeding this. Uh, there's this tinfoil hat narrative that Brussels is all about the German plot to take over the continent and it's all the fourth Reich and then there's this stuff that used to be fringe mad persons uh, conspiracies and increasingly you, you know you began to hear it more and more from UKIP and then you'd see it in social media and now you're hearing it from you know then you heard it from the extreme right wing of the Tory party and now you're hearing it from mainstream conservative politicians who are supposed to be the sensible ones. And you think, Where is this going to mm-hmm. stop, for God's sake?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. But uh, there, there's another thing that really strikes me and doesn't really specifically just relate to this, but the general question of sort of Anglo-German relations stroke the views of, of Germany here. Um, especially, I think, it has to be actually quite clear in, in England, not uh, in the UK as a whole. But, I mean, I've never understood... Um, these particular sentiments very well, because I always saw English people and German peoples actually very much alike. Yeah. Um, so in terms of sentiment, in terms of character, uh, in terms of many ideas, they should have been the natural allies yeah. in the EU, actually, and built it up together. So that's a general kind of context, mm. really. But what strikes me even more is this constant sense that one has to define oneself through this anti-german sentiment so think back for example to football any context really where Mm. football comes up even in the world cup last year when england was actually doing quite well Mm. um you know for the first time in quite a while and there was a team that seemed fresh and a coach who seemed really onto it and Mm. and well-spirited and everything was kind of positive It's less of a surprise that Germany got a good bashing when they went out. I can kind of perhaps see that a little bit. But even after that point, much of the story was always framed in opposition to Germany. And I just cannot understand that because here was a positive story to tell about your own team, about Englishness, possibly. If you wanted to, you could do that about being, you know, a football nation, those kinds of things. That's not the story that was being told. It was this constant or, or still frequent anti kind of German yeah. story instead. And I could give you other examples where that pops up all the time. Yeah. So to me, more than anything else, this is a story about a sense of an inferior yes. identity of Englishness or actually non-existent, really. I mean, this is also partly going into my research, actually, for once, because I've worked a lot on the English uh, diaspora most recently. So okay. English people abroad yeah. and they had a very different sense of identity, yes. a very strong one, a very positive one, a very civic one often rather than a sort of ethnic one. Uh, Although an ethnic one can also be very positive, actually, you know, there is a big debate in Scotland about this, where many people say ethnicity is always uh, kind of immediately some sort of bad nationalism. No, no, there is a different uh, version of that, too. But quite apart from that, they were building communities, they were behaving like migrants of other groups behave. It was all, you know, there were tensions, you know, the Orange Order, you know, there are similar Protestant groups amongst the English as well. So it's not like the kind of fluffy pink story. But it was generally speaking a very different a strong englishness whereas here it seems to be sort of really non-existent so the only way you can create it is by defining against something yeah, else and very uh, often that's this sort of german anti-german sentiment yeah. and that's a real tragedy and actually i think it explains in a, in a really big way why we are yeah, where we are I agree.
1: and i thought we I, see I, I had i had thought this was, this was something that really, as I say, instrumentalised me and motivated me as a student and, 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 and as a young man, you know, getting interested in politics and identity and Europe. And I, th- I, I genuinely thought that that was something that was fading from, from, from the British character. And this is obviously... So this is, I found this super depressing that it does seem to have crept back, uh, not just crept. Because... It, or... My experience... I've always felt there's so much commonality between these two countries. and these two, I mean, there's so much, to, and, and, and I know how incredibly Anglophile so many Germans are. I mean, you know, almost irritatingly so. Um, you know, <laughs> and it's not just, you know, there are cities like Hamburg which are notoriously Anglophile and identify much more closely with uh, what they understand of as being English or Anglo-Saxon than other parts of Germany, um, for example, the part where, where my family's from. But even my Swabian uh um um was just so um interested in this exotic um country with its royal family and its fine China and its pomp and circumstance and its um pecha novels and <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's I think British people don't actually realise quite what a strong romantic strain there is in, in, in sort of German popular culture um, uh, about England and about Britain.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and my, my always, mother would watch. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it was just yeah. always frustrated me so much. Why, why are you so anti-German when these are people who are so like you and who like you so much? Well, there's no need for it. And, and this, I, I, the Euro... The Euro is another one of those... um, When we were having the debate in the 90s about whether or not the UK should join the Euro, and in the subsequent um, self-congratulatory, well, thank God we didn't do that, uh, as if it was taken for granted that Britain would be like Greece or Spain uh, and would have been uh, one of those countries that perhaps didn't do quite so well out of it. And looking at the Germans as the ones who... What, why would the UK be like Greece? Um, mm-hmm. l- l- let's leave aside the more complicated question of whether or not Greece actually did so badly out of it after all. But I mean, l- l- let's say for a I minute mean, the whole narrative about, well, uh, the Greeks and the Italians um, suffered and, and the Germans got, got, got fat. Even if that were true, why would the UK... If the UK had joined the euro, why would it be like Greece and Italy? Why wouldn't it have been like Germany? I mean, isn't it much more similar to Germany and the Netherlands and Belgium, these countries that have clearly flourished in, 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 under a single currency? So that was mm-hmm. another thing that just—it just irritated me so much. What is this, mm-hmm. th- this this weakness, this this sense of inferiority, that, that this lack of confidence that seems to trouble Britain and, and which has now brought us to this awful place?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Empire having uh, disappeared is a big one. I think many people have talked about that. There are lots of... Uh, I think we might have spoken about it a bit last time, didn't yeah. we? I spoke with... Um, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. You you find it in lots of discussions. You know, there's there's always been a big kind of void there. Yeah. Um, and well, this yeah. is, uh, yeah, a tragedy now to kind of fill it again with that yeah. old kind of nonsense. But, I mean, actually, it goes very broadly and, and much wider. You know, there were other people... In the last uh, few weeks who said you know very kind of vile vile things Mm. really um about germans and you know i'm quite familiar with it but at the same time i i find it very difficult when i was younger i did uh uh, spent a summer in an old people's home in the south of england and there were a lot of people in that home who um, had survived the war Mm. and uh, quite a few of them didn't initially want to talk to me basically Mm because I was German. But with them, I could actually... That was fine with me, because they had survived the war. You could Mm. see why they might have perhaps an issue, genuinely, you know, they'd been bombed. I could actually understand that. Um, um, But, you know, several cups of teas later, that sort of changed, and they did all start to talk, and they actually wanted to learn something, and I could tell them about my great-grandmother, who had lived um, somewhere near a site that was bombed very heavily, so there Mm. were actually some sort of shared experience. Experience almost sort of told through me, so it was almost a little story of reconciliation. Mm. Um, but again, I would never have held it against them because they lived that time, they could tell that. Now, most of the people who spin this, or probably all of them, they, they didn't, mm. you know, they just made this up because they have no better argument to present to people. It's always good to rile against someone, and it happens to be. The Germans but you know French get it sometimes too and there are other groups well, but really it is in this yeah. is void of not having a strong kind of positive sense themselves of who they are yeah. and brexit won't deliver that because no, it's no, built no, on the foundations sure. of of hate yeah you cannot possibly um, deliver it um, on on hate no
1: absolutely you know you you, you need to build such, such things on a positive foundation not on a negative footing I mean otherwise it's mm-hmm. yeah ah Anyway, look, do, it's not this, so much. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that um, you, you've given me an opportunity to get that rant off my chest because that's been that's been brewing for a while. Um, oh, oh, I know what I wanted. do. There's, there is a link here of sorts, which is um, Norbert Röttgen. Uh, oh yes, did you see his um, yeah. his intervention? I thought that was a very interesting intervention last night after the. Um,
0: I think I might have only read your tweet actually, oh. so that's <laughs> I'm reading it through your filter. I was a bit preoccupied uh, yeah. last night with having having a really sore throat. So actually, you're lucky. I could, yeah, yesterday, I couldn't talk so very well, so well, but it's okay now. Disappeared.
1: Well, uh, what did he say? He said um, so. He he speaks wonderful English. And. Um, I understand that he. I I don't know that much about German national politics. I, I to my shame, I I want to know more. But I understand that he is, um, on the sort of more, Atlanticist, side of uh, German politics, and was, one of the, those voices, arguing for, uh, a more accommodating approach um, to Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he was in. So he was interviewed last night I heard him on the world tonight, and um the interviewer sort of went straight in with well doesn 't this mean that the you know isn 't this going to be terrible for the e u and doesn 't this mean that the is now going to have to shift and and um reopen the the agreement and so on and he was he was he was very good he 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 said um look um one thing that isn't going to happen is we're not going to reopen. we've done everything that we possibly can here we have moved as far as we possibly can and you know you you now need to explore the options that are still available to you but those options mm-hmm. do not include reopening the agreement they have there are other ones including for example a referendum um that's where you need to go but that's so he he was he was beautifully clear uh, clearly these, these, these were lines that had been, I think, coordinated, but um, I, I was sort of quite impressed at the his presence and his gravitas coming across in this interview with, um, with, 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 with the BBC as compared to some of the things that we've been hearing on, on the Westminster side. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... um...
0: Well, you know, I think you just... Probably in the tweet, I think you were talking about the relevance of the the referendum. You know, more and more people uh, from from EU countries are making that point. So there clearly is a recognition that if the people have changed their minds, they should... Or if you're stuck, if you're so stuck that you can't actually find a solution. Theresa May has made very clear... Uh, that she's not going to move one one millimetre even. I mean, I still think she can be you know attacked very kind of vigorously on that given the defeat yesterday, but unfortunately then today kind of spins that round a little bit uh, again. Yeah. But you know, cross party talks aren't cross party talks yeah. if you're not actually talking across <laughs> parties. Yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, this is the craziest thing about Brexit. Every day almost there's something where you go, what the fuck? I cannot yeah. I cannot believe someone just did that because yeah. it's another yeah. kind of Increasing craziness, yeah. or I don't know who it was, but I think Ian Dunce said something like that today about yeah. you know the, the the shit still gets sort of shittier kind of yeah. thing, and I find that remarkable. You know, nine hundred and thirty six days later, and of course the referendum was quite a bit like this already. So actually, we're talking yeah. over a thousand days, yeah. uh, well over a thousand days. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's it's just mad. The whole thing is just it's absolutely surreal. And mad to
1: see it from the outside. So, so yeah, you're right. So I. I, I so you sense very much in the public interventions that have been made by various senior eu politicians both national and european politicians you sense very much that they are resisting being very explicit because that would be seen as being in, uh, as intervening but also feeling you know somebody the adults need to take over here it's obvious what needs to happen it's obvious mm-hmm. that sentiment has changed it's obvious that you're not going to sort this out yourselves, Parliament, because you're horribly split. You need another referendum to sort this out. It's obvious. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. And you need to shift your red lines, because your red lines will not work. You cannot have what you want. And, and this is still not getting across in the UK. Uh, but this is, it's good, that I think, that, that, that European politicians are beginning to be a little bit more... Open. I mean, Macron was filmed doing one of his town hall things today as well, saying these things. And it's great. I just don't think, unfortunately, this is penetrating the UK uh, political bubble very much or the media. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Absolutely, I think I can't remember now who it was, but maybe yesterday or the day before, I saw someone tweet something about, "Oh, it's remarkable how united the EU has been." Well, that's what what it's about, and and (laughs) that's the that's the very point. And but I think he genuinely sort of meant that. It's not one of those commentators who talks nonsense all the time. It was someone who you know is is quite all right. Um, And it really didn't sort of, but that's the whole bloody point. But it is remarkable. But that's why the EU is remarkable. Well, of course. And and sometimes why it doesn't work, actually, I would say. You know, this is this is the other thing. There are lots of things to reform about the EU. But, um, you know, to to assume that it's very basic principle isn't working and that you can just sort of say, oh, we're going to cherry pick this, this and this. But your own, you know, your citizens can go and and, uh, get lost. You know, yeah, Uh, Yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's um, it's a bit uh, sad. Um, That this hasn't, again, you know, after two and a half years, I probably would have hoped that it would be further along that sort of recognition. But then I look at the press and of course, I'm not surprised um, because the way much is reported there, especially Mm. in the Telegraph uh, and actually the Times now sometimes as well. It's quite shocking. Um, I think papers that used to be uh, high quality papers um, or at least, you know, reasonable Um, are, are not that anymore um, and what really worries me overall and you know this kind of brings back to to what we said at the beginning a bit about there being no 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 solution that actually really is good yeah. in, in in there's something kind of problematic about all of them yeah. and I know which one I would prefer is the same that you yeah. know we've set yeah. out and talked about a lot yeah. democracy you know should mean that we we give the choice back to the people yeah. but these divisions that have opened up the lies, you yeah. know all of that I, I have no idea, really, genuinely, honestly, no idea how they can ever be mended. I know stories of uh, families uh, who are essentially split right down the middle, um, and then other other stories where um, certainly eu citizens are struggling very much with how um, ignorant people are, and I think not necessarily on purpose and that 's what also what, what they would say, but just no appreciation of the stress many have been under for a long time so i you know across on the whole the country i i don't know you know so all this talk that theresa may i'm sure will have made again today about divisions and about the you know people's vote providing further off them i i wouldn't rule that out to be honest there might be new things that get opened up but to my mind it's already so divided yeah. and if if you go ahead with brexit it's just going to confirm that so any opportunity that is there yeah to to try and stop that is is the right way forward
1: well, you know so. The EU has a lot of experience in this and, you know, I I, I sometimes tweet about the conversations I have in the cafeteria with people and, um, uh, I don't know, people people may assume that everybody in Brussels is sitting and and laughing uproariously at what's going on in the UK and that's not true, of course. Uh, People are not. People are very concerned and worried. But at the same time, nor is it true that people are sitting there in very solemn... There's a lot of gallan humour. There's a lot of sort of gallows humour, and um, as you'd expect, because um,
0: come on, it was the weekend, and uh, uh, Axel was a fellow German, and I, we decided to go for Spitfires in the pint because well, there what else go, can yeah, you exactly. do? No, you I mean, have exactly. go We have back. to. We have <laughs> to find
1: humour in all these things. But I was having a, a, a conversation with a couple of friends um, um, in a, in the cafeteria a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about Brexit, and um, you know, we have a lot of experience um, in in my part of the EU um, institutions on working with partner countries that have been through difficult Mm -hmm. and polarised domestic problems um, and, and conflict and a lot of the work that we do and a lot of the expertise that the EU has built up has been in institution building where there has been breakdown of institutional of institutions and in conflict resolution where you have communities that have been fighting and have become utterly polarized and it is both gallows humor but also deadly true that we're now looking at the you look at the uk and you think well you know this is going to be our task for the next 15 to 20 years is going to be Employing our neighborhood policy with this neighbor of ours to help to breach those bridge those those divides and and, and rebuild those institutions and now that sound, that may sound very in the context that we 've been discussing that may, may sound you know, quasi imperialistic and very arrogant, and that 's certainly not you know, the, the way people are feeling and not what I would want to come across, but I think also it 's important that British people need to understand that they are not exceptional we 've talked about this before they 're not exceptional they 're not intrinsically different to people in ukraine or bosnia-herzegovina or spain or you know any other you know, country that has been through a, a difficult time and needs to find ways of of, of of mending and healing and and you know outsiders are necessarily going to be part of the process the, Brit- the british have been have been on that you know have been have... oh
0: well I, I i know i mean where, where i was born the part of germany was british exactly. uh, you know after after the war so in fact, you know, there was a direct bus service from my town to London, yeah. because all the servicemen, it, it left behind the, the military yeah. uh, base,
1: yeah. um,
0: but ordinary Germans could go onto it sometimes as well, yeah. so that's how I went to go to that Old People's home. Is it? You know, God yeah. knows how many hours yeah. that took, but, you know, essentially hop on the bus in my hometown, and get off in London. Yeah. It was also my first encounter, I mean, not to veer into this kind of stuff, but my first encounter of what I consider mad, uh, opening train doors from the inside, yeah. you know, I <laughs> I almost, I almost missed getting off because I couldn't figure out how to put the window down, reaching out, and <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, they yes, don't even have those yes, anymore, unfortunately. Yes. Do they? Uh, yeah. Oh, they do, they do, yeah, they? yeah, on the L- LNER, certainly does, yeah, 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 absolutely. no, 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 I'm still <laughs> irritated by them, but that was certainly, I don't know how old I even was 17 probably, yeah. but I was like, well, How do I get out? What's yeah. going on? I have
1: yeah. no idea, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. well, look, um, Tony, we've been talking for nearly an hour and a half, so um, I we could Keep, keep going for ages, but I think we've both got stuff that we need to get on with. Um, so yeah, um, is there the, anything the, else the that sub- we haven't covered? The, Sorry,
0: no, the subtitles are corrected so I can launch it tonight. Still, excellent, great. My hands up, my hands off, off things. Well, then so, I'll put a link no. in, the,
1: uh, in the in the episode notes, yeah. but um, yeah. So I, I was, there was there was, of course, the small matter of lie of the week, um, but we can oh. deal with that very quickly. Um, well, I've got one. I mean, if you can think of one while I talk about the I, one that I've got here, yeah, well, the lie of the week is to me. Very obvious, and it's a lie that has been uttered countless times since the vote last night, which is that um Brussels now needs to renegotiate the withdrawal agreement and drop the backstop <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is, yeah, that's a good one. this is yeah. the massive yeah. self self delusional yeah. lie being told by all sorts of people um, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that that's a really good one, and I would gladly second that in many ways. But for me, it has to absolutely be the line that, you know, EU citizens and British in Europe, for that matter, will continue to be able to live their lives as they do now, which mm. is the biggest, um, most disgusting lie, I think, of, of all of them, really, yeah. um, and Brilliant. will forever be for me, because, as I say, you know, we are your colleagues, neighbours, friends, family, lovers, whatever, um, and so hands off.
1: Yes. OK, well, look, that... Two, two rock-solid lies there. Um, so look, let's, let's close on... I've got a couple of quotes. Here we go. So one was from Franz Timmermans um, speaking today in the European Parliament. So Franz Timmermans is the vice president of the European Commission, Dutch politician, Dutch socialist, and he's going to be the Spitzenkandidat of the socialists in the, in the, in the European elections this year. Uh, so if the socialists win the election, uh, then he will be the next president of the Commission jolly good one it'd be too. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, look, he um, he <laughs> quoted C.S. Lewis. Um, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Which I thought was a very uplifting and positive um, uh, way a spin on what happened yesterday in uh, with the, re- the rejection of the withdrawal agreement. What he's saying is, mm-hmm. look, you know, we are where we are, but you know what, you can still change this. We 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 can write our own ending. And that then got me to, to thinking of Brecht, so um, one of my very favorite poems uh, is um, this very short one by Bertolt Brecht which is um, Alles wandelt sich. Do you know this? You must yeah, a bit. So Alles wandelt sich, neu beginnen kannst du mit dem letzten Atemzug. Aber was geschehen ist geschehen, das Wasser, das du in den Wein gossest, kannst du nicht mehr herausschütten. Was geschehen ist geschehen, das Wasser, das du in den Wein gossest, kannst du nicht mehr herausschütten. Aber alles wandelt sich, neu beginn kannst du mit dem letzten Atemzug now, I'm sure nobody um, listening to this would need that sort of translated but um, what the, that beautiful sort of mirror uh, movement in that poem saying look everything changes um, you can start again with each new breath um, but what's happened has happened and the water that you pour into the wine you can't pour it back out again but you know what's happened has happened the water that you pour into the wine can't be poured back out but everything changes you can start again with each new breath and to me you know that's a really uplifting and positive um way of thinking about where we are with brexit you know it's not over and i can't believe that no. at this point so close to brexit day we're still here we're still talking about the possibility of stopping this entire thing and it's Which increasingly is a good, possible. Wait, wait, wait. It feels. Yeah,
0: but you know, it's it's that this is the madness, uh, though, of it all. But you know, I I don't want this to sound too sort of too self-praisey. But we are where we are because of all of us. Yes, and I think that's very important. Um, and with all of us, I mean all the campaigners, yes. obviously not us, us as such, but all the people who've invested so much time
1: yeah.
0: of their lives uh, into this fight. You can't be called any other. Uh, way we were asking ourselves you know last time when we when I was on the program why we still do this and I guess that poem perhaps is the answer to that actually now that you've said it Um, because we know that people can still change their minds um, and that we can still yeah make this better
1: yeah we can so there you go um, an unusually positive note to end the podcast maybe that's because Steve's <laughs> not here <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh, we haven't I was the only one swearing as well I feel really bad now
1: <laughs> yeah I know I've been really well behaved haven't I I don't, know. <laughs> I, must, I don't know it must be something that you have brought out to me anyway look Tanya thank you right. so much um, good luck with the thank next you. phase of um, the campaign um, which um, thank you if if we have um, a, a sponsor campaign for for the podcast then it's this one um, uh, so um, again I'm going to encourage everybody we don't ask for uh, any contributions and we don't take any sp- sort of paid sponsors um, but uh, we would very much like it if you would actively support the campaign can you give the details of the what's the web what's the website address
0: it's just eucitizenschampion.co.uk um, but we can put the link maybe yeah. underneath uh, uh, the thing, or or on my. Um, if you just go on my profile on Twitter, um, you can you can get to it. I'm sure. Yeah, and um, through the page I'll you
1: have a you have a page <coughs> on the on the podcast website too, so you can ah, sort of yeah, find it through yeah. that. So you know, give generously um, because this is really important. In fact, that was one thing that we didn't talk about. I wanted to talk a little bit about the work that um, that the three million do uh, to inform EU citizens. In, in, oh, in the UK yeah, yeah. in fact let's do that I know we're, we're, this is a postscript <laughs> to the podcast very post-script briefly postscript
0: to, to the podcast yeah. well this is I can talk about this because this is a part which is primarily uh, almost exclusively I think um, I, I don't, I'd have to check but certainly uh, in a big way funded by the donations through my fundraiser so um, one of the key problems with settled status is that a lot of EU citizens don't know about it at all. Yeah. And to illustrate the extent of that, I was at a, at the last uh, People's Vote March. After that, I was at another event. Young people, all on social media, they were at the march. Two EU citizens had no idea at all about settled status and that they would have to apply if they want to stay in the UK. Partly, I think that's because how it's been reported in the past. I'm very glad that that is changing. In the past, it was often described as a registration and sometimes still is today. It is not a registration. A lot of people, if they read that, they think, oh, one day I'm going to go to the council or something, get a stamp and that's it. That's not how it will work at all. People have to take active steps. So I'm glad it's being more accurately reported for the most part now, which is a good thing. But of course, we also have a lot of EU citizens who are older who are maybe children if the parents don't pay attention or aren't aware of this you know there are lots of groups we have uh, groups who just don't fall into the kind of concept that the home office has come up with as an eu citizen we don't all have mobile phones we don't all know how to do these things and even you know if you have the wrong mobile phone as i do an iphone it won't work anyway uh, even on that so for example the other day a group that is supporting roma people in the uk Uh, We're supporting some of them through settled status, and the vast majority of them wouldn't have been able to do it on their own at all. There were lots of other problems. So these kinds of groups, but really ultimately everyone, Mm. needs to be informed about the rights and obligations that they have and needs to be supported through the process. So... My fundraiser was always going to be in a big way about that aspect of it, because if people don't know about it, they will um, become probably illegal by accident, basically, if all of this goes ahead. And then it's highly possible that the only way it would ever come out if five years later you go to the doctor and they won't treat you. If you never travel, if you never go anywhere, if you don't take any benefit, why would people know? They just wouldn't know that you even exist because the UK doesn't have a system normally to kind of capture people. Um, So that's why I keep saying, while there are lots of differences, this is a new Windrush generation in the making. So uh, the donations so far through the fundraiser, um, and thank you to all the donors, by the way, at this point. I'm, I'm really grateful to all of you, and I can't overstate that enough. Uh, funds uh, employment for someone to employ someone for two and a half days a week to do only this outreach work so that means organizing events throughout the UK going to many of them liaising all these kinds of things Um, uh, they have taken place in lots of different places around the UK but of course that really is just the tip of the iceberg the government is investing a little bit of money Mm. um, into this but really in the big scheme of things it's too little Mm. um, and they're not necessarily always providing information some of the money is for, for other things Um, There is some support through lawyers uh, as well, so it's not just all kind of um, about the money donations. There are volunteers who support these activities, and the Mayor of London has also provided funding for uh, a citizen's hub controversially um, well c- controversially according to a according shitty, to, blogger to shitty blogger site. Um, and now now i'm definitely going to get a hit piece won't i so let's just record that in case i get a hit piece let me say now just fuck off yeah no i'll, <laughs> so I'll, I'll swear I'm, now I'm, if I'm you not, like they're absolute um, fucking yeah. shits and i was so <laughs> fucking
1: angry when i saw what they wrote i i've rarely been i you know we're all used to anger these days but my god that made me so fucking angry
0: well, it, it was it was uh, uh, enraging because it was factually incorrect. I mean, that's not such a big surprise, but it just sort of makes it worse. If they had just picked up on them, almost like spending money on foreigners, I would have almost preferred that because at least it would have been kind of correct. Whereas what they were telling was just nonsense lies. And of course, really, it was primarily an attack on Sadiq Khan. But I hadn't expected, I really honestly hadn't expected that they would sing so low. And, uh, and then it was picked the up one, by Gisela uh, stewards.
1: Um, organization. Her outfit, Whether yeah, it was I, her, I, she herself, but it was her outfit picked this up. It was her and outfit, that is just yeah. so offensive. Yeah. The, yeah oh.
0: absolutely yeah i i actually found that one the worst you know that Levy you will, would pick it up isn't such a big surprise that some of the other individual people would pick it up isn't such a big yeah. surprise but certainly uh, yeah gisela stewart's um group shouldn't have really really shouldn't have you know i would love to meet gisela one day and debate her oh, because oh, i'd love to see yeah that. it's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that is a meeting uh, i would uh, love to see preferably prefer, preferably in german maybe that yes might, uh, let's
1: make work. that happen.
0: actually no no let's not make not in german <laughs> i'd be very bad i, I can't Speak German in very well anymore. Uh, probably, um, yeah, I, uh, I I would say everything in English half the time. So anyway, this, it is serious that that happened. I I'm not impressed, and if that is what's bound to come in the next uh, few months, you know, it's it's not good. But anyway, that outreach work is critical, and you know, thanks to the mayor of London for providing that funding for the service of, of just helping EU citizens. Well, it's uh, an with absolutely a, important service. Status.
1: Sorry, I I spoke over you, but you know, here we are, people who. Um, had no reason to expect that this would happen, this bomb would be dropped into their lives. And they weren't given a voice in this either. And here they've been living for many years. And, I mean, I feel very personally about this too, because my mum is one of those people. And my mum, Mm -hmm. um, she also had absolutely no idea about settled status. And I'd sort of mentioned it. But, I mean, I think, you know, she's just assuming that, oh, he's always banging on about Brexit. He's always banging on about these things. I'm sure it's not true. I'm sure it'll be fine. There are going to be Mm -hmm. so many people like that who... Simply don't understand what's coming. They just don't get mm-hmm. it. And and as you say, they're the people who are going to end up uh, falling into Ill- illegality by accident and through no fault yeah. of their own. And, yeah. You know this. Yeah. So with the service that you're offering is is uh, the, 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 you know the, is it's a, a fantastic and a necessary thing. And so please, um, uh, if you if you've ever felt that you'd like to contribute to in in some way symbolically to this to this podcast, please do so by um, making a contribution to um, EU Citizens Champion, and, and we'll give you the links.
0: Okay, All well, right. yeah, thank you very much. That would be marvellous, of course. Thank you. All right. Okay,
1: thanks a lot, Tanya. Yeah.
0: Okay, up the good night. Right. Bye. Oh, Long-